This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? We ready? Let's roll. Colossians chapter 1. We'll start reading there. We'll pick up with today's text in Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 1. This is week 8. I love it. I almost feel like I get spoiled doing these series because I just kind of get to geek out for a little bit and, and go in a crock pot and just kind of go slow and soak and it's just good. So I hope you enjoy it. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who has also declared us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints." To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, 
that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the fullness of the full assurance and understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Nothing? Amen. Amen, maybe. There we go. All right, cool. So today's text, verses 4 through 10, should actually scare us a little bit. Today's text tells us very, very plainly that we can be deceived, which is something that we don't like to hear. It's something we don't like to recognize and look in the mirror and see, but we can be deceived. But it also tells us how to avoid being deceived. And here's your answer. The answer shouldn't surprise us. The answer is in, it's in Jesus. Yeah. The answer is in Jesus. So let's read through today's text. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So, let's start. There we go. We'll say amen to that too, right? That's good stuff. Yes. Uh, I, have, I have actually reached out to several uh, teachers and preachers that I am friends with and asked them for their feedback on these particular texts and things that they have taught and things that they have learned. And all of them, with, without exception, say, yeah, Colossians is just a lot of fun to teach. Well, well, yeah, because you just lift Jesus up the entire time, and that's fantastic because that's where he is. That's where he sits. So verse 4, now I say this, lest anyone should deceive. Anybody have a different word in your, in your translation? Anyone should deceive you. Delude, Delude is a good word. Um, this word, it literally means to, here's your blank, to come close and misreason or miscount. Um, I got a job when I was in college just stocking shelves, and they needed help on the register one night, and I said, yeah, I can do that, no problem. I can count. I think I can do this, right? That was a joke. I was, I, was a, I was a junior math major at the time. I think I can make change. We got this covered. We'll be good. So um, checking somebody out one night, and this guy starts, he, he starts taking out 10s and 20s, and he laid them down. He's like, no, that's not what I want to play with. I'm going to do this and this and this. And like, Whoa feels like a scam is going on here. Because while the register was open, he wanted me to make change for this and then switch this and change. I was like, whoop, let's do one thing at a time. Let's complete this transaction. I'll close the register. We'll open it back up. We'll make change for one thing. We'll close the register. We'll open it back up. We'll make change for one thing. We'll close. He didn't want any part of that because that wasn't his intent. And this word means to get really, really close to somebody and mislead or misreason or miscount with the intent to deceive and lead you somewhere else. So this is not a, I am speaking and several states over or several people over get misled. No, 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 no. This is intentional, up close, very personal, very close deception. So he's not talking about people that the Colossians wouldn't be aware of. This is, I know who this is. So lest anyone should deceive you. Uh, with persuasive words. So think about persuasive words. For me, persuasive words make sense. They sound good. They, they persuade, right? I mean, it's just kind of what it means. And, and we all like to be in the know. We like to know a little bit about what's going on. And this is very tempting. 
to listen to somebody who says, I know deeper truth or more real truth or something that is, that is really difficult for the average person to understand, and you can get deceived by these persuasive words. Guzik has a great quote on this. He said, it might sound simple, but deceivers are deceivers. Deceivers deceive. That's what they do, right? That's what they do. And, and it's a problem because this still exists today. Um, they don't announce their, this is an extended quote from him, they don't announce their false doctrine as false doctrine. It will also be, often be similar enough to the truth to be dangerous. It's a little, like it's, it's close. It's not, it's not all true. It's like mostly truth. Uh, my dad used to explain this to me as a kid. Uh, I've, I've told this, this background a lot. Uh, I grew up in a 100-year-old house. And in a 100-year-old house, you have a lot of problems and a lot of issues, and I'm not talking about caulk. You thought I was going to caulk, didn't you? I'm not going to caulk. I'm going to decon. We know what decon is? Is rat poison, yes. Decon is what you pull out when you have large vermin to kill. I'm quoting Kill Bill now. Um, it, I mean, this, this, is, this is bad stuff. This is poison. But if you look on the box of decon, it will say 0.001%, and then it will be something that will kill you. It is an incredibly small amount of bad with a whole bunch of stuff that is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. But that bad will get you. And that's how my dad always taught me about false teaching was the bad will get you, and it will lead you down a path that you do not want to go, and you will not be able to anticipate the consequences. Because if I take a great big spoonful, I thought about bringing a, a box of decon in here this morning and replacing it with something, like completely replacing the contents with something else and just digging with a spoon, but you guys would have completely wigged out. So you're welcome. I decided not to. That's what you did to us when you preached. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not going over that railing. You are crazy. That is. So the, the, here's the funny thing. So the, we did that at 8.45 and at 10. I'm just going to sidebar here for a second. 8.45, 10, and 11. At 11 o'clock, I'm standing in the basket at the Chattanooga campus, and I look down, and Sean McGarvey is looking up at me like, we can do this. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? And I, who, was on the, who was on the other side that morning? Was, was it you, Albert? It was Stephen, yeah. So I look over at Stephen, he's grinning. I'm like, ooh. So then my heart starts racing. I'm like, they're about to throw me over this balcony. This is, this is not where, I'm like, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. They completely freaked me out. So I, I really, I was, I was completely off and had to go back to my notes and figure out what was going on. And you guys scared the mm, out of me. Yeah. I don't know how that relates to Colossians 2, but that's, we'll, we'll get back first to verse 5. says, yet I am with you in spirit. And can we be honest for a moment? Let's be honest for a moment. There are some Christian phrases that I detest. And this is one of them. I'll be with you in spirit. You know what that means? You means I ain't going to be there. That's exactly right. It means I am choosing to go do something else rather than that. Now, Here's why I think Paul, I spent a lot of time this week thinking about this. Here's why I think Paul can use this, and it is right, and it is true. 
Did Paul get to vote on him being in prison or not? No. no. He, there was, here's your blank, no choice. We can use this phrase when we have no choice. And here's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm hung up at work and it's really tough and I, I just can't, I can't get away. Yeah, we could. We can make a choice. Might have really awful consequences, but we can make a choice. I'm in jail and I'm chained to a wall and there are people who will be killed if they let me go. I think we're in the no choice category. I'm with you in spirit. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Fantastic. Paul actually uses language in his other letters where he's chained up, and he tells them, I feel like I'm actually with you physically. This is how hard I'm praying for you. This is how much you're on my mind. This is, this is how invested I am in your lives. And I go, wow, that's pretty awesome. So let's be careful about playing the I'm with you in spirit card because it just maybe, my opinion, gets played a little bit more often than it should. So I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing. Um, I couldn't find this definition written down anywhere, but all the commentators, if I kind of had to sum them up, they, they, would say, they would call this word like joy under control because it was, I'm exceedingly glad, I'm very happy, but, but I am, I'm maintaining some level of outward... Like, I'm not freaking out the guards. That's really good. I like that. We're going to put that in. I'm not freaking out the guards, yes. I am rejoicing to see or to look at. So he, he is excited about the opportunity to go and to physically inspect what the Colossians are doing. I'm excited to see or look at your good order. All right, so we're going to talk about a verse. So the, the verse is, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Anybody remember what that Greek word submit means? You remember what the Greek word is? It means order, yes. You, know, you remember what the word itself was, the Greek word? Hupotasso. You're like, yeah, I wasn't going to get that. I didn't either. I had to go look it up. It's a, so a ton of the words that Paul uses in Colossians are compound words. So you take one word, you take another word, you slap them together. Hey, we've got a new word. This is fantastic. That's what this is. This tasso is the root word for the word that's right here, and it literally means to line up in a straight line. We're just, it's a military term. Ten, hut, and I love it. You're kind of like, okay, we've got to do this right now. Um, it's this, I'm going to line up. And, and at this point, at this point, what's the status of the Colossian church? Have heresies taken over the Colossian church? No, not yet. They are, they are there. They are being taught by some here, but it hadn't completely taken over yet. So there's still order. There's still structure. There's still good being done. But he's telling them, I'm looking forward to seeing that order. It's kind of like the general saying, maybe getting an inspection soon. So you might want to think about how everything looks because I might be coming to see you. So I'm looking, I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So this steadfastness is the line is holding. The line is under attack, but this line is holding of your faith in Christ. So the question I'm going to ask you a whole lot today is who am I in? Who am I in? Because it's a big deal for a question. It's a really big deal for a question. Who am I in? Because the answer matters. So we'll talk some more about this as we go through this. Your faith in Christ. Verse 6. Like or as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Anybody else have a different translation for that? those words about Jesus there? 
about the about the, the the words used to describe Jesus, Christ Jesus, the Lord. Does everybody have Christ and Jesus and Lord there? You really should. This is kind of a big deal. This is actually the only time in the New Testament that Paul uses it in this order. And you kind of go, really? What's the next question you want to ask? Why would he do that? Yeah. Well, what we think, remember I told you about the Colossian heresy, that it's going to Ryan's? We're going to turn this all into Ryan's, by the way. You're going to think heresy every time you see the Ryan's sign. That's one of my goals in this month. Lesson objectives as we go through. So you see Ryan's, you go in, you got the sneeze guard, you're going to take a little of this, take a little of this. It's a buffet. It was a buffet of bad philosophy and bad theology and bad doctrine. So it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what it was because he just shoots the canon of Christ back at all of this. That was actually really good. Can you write that down, darling, so I get that in, the canon of Christ? Because that goes two ways, canon and canon. You get it? I like that. <clears throat> You'll get that in the parking lot today. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So you got this buffet of all this bad theology, and the Lord Jesus Christ just slaughters this stuff because he's defining who Jesus is and what he has done. So Christ means what? Like, what does the word Christ mean? Anointed one, yes. What does Jesus mean? Savior, salvation, right? And Lord means he's in charge, right? So he's in charge. He's the anointed one, the Messiah, and he is salvation. That communicates a lot of theology in that title, a whole lot of theology in that title. So, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. Now, one of the... One of the resources that I absolutely love is Robertson's New Testament Word Pictures. Um, and I love this guy's life, too. He's got an amazing story. He taught uh, at some seminary for, you know, pick some obnoxious number, like 40 or 50 years, and said he had a headache one afternoon, went home to his house, and died. That was it. Like, he taught class, and 30 minutes later, he was dead. He's like, I would love to go out like that. That would be fantastic. Just mic drop. There you go. All right, we're with Jesus now. So well after Julie has passed on, because that's, that would be, she's tearing up on me now, so that's not good. She's not tearing up. She's like, life insurance? Yeah, um, yeah that was, sorry. This is the sugar from last night talking. I basically got a nap last night, so we're, we're running on a little low energy today. So as you have received, I'm trying to get back to the text. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. Uh, And one of the things Robertson's New Testament Word Pictures does is he has crazy, ridiculously complicated Greek terminology for how some of this stuff works. But every once in a while, he will have things like this, which basically says, go on walking in him. This is the present active indicative. I was not a grammar major in college. And I am thankful for these resources that can explain these things simply. So this is a keep doing this all the time. Keep walking. As we have received Christ, so walk in him. Um, So there's the question again, who am I in? Who am I in? When I think about this walk in him, this word walk, uh, it it really means to to explore almost, to, uh, to be occupied with, to live or to follow. But this word occupied shows up in the commentaries a lot. And we, we went through Occupy Wall Street not too long ago. You guys remember this? And, and what did those folks do? 
like physically, what did they actually do? They camped out where? At Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. it's actually a pretty well-named thing, right? Occupy Wall Street. So this is Occupy Jesus. Camp out there. Roam around in that space, in Him. That is a safe place to learn and to be and to live and to grow and to stay. Um, the first time that I ever went to the Biltmore. Anybody ever been to the Biltmore? It's great. I got dibs on that, by the way, in the uh, uh, Millennial Kingdom, I called it. Uh, me and Jesus got this packed, so that's where I'm going to live. So uh, the first time I walked in the Biltmore, you're just kind of like, wow, this thing is huge. What's you objecting? No, we could all live there and never see each other. It's big, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot to explore, right? There's a lot to roam around and to see and to learn. What's that? Well, not when I own it, there won't be. I'll know all about that. That's fine. I'm, I, don't, I don't believe in name it, claim it, but I almost do with the Biltmore. So we're, we're almost there. I've, I've talk, you're going to laugh. I've talked to God so much about this. It's almost, it's almost problematic, actually, that, that I, I really like that place so much. Uh, and I'm convinced that I won't actually get it, but it would be kind of cool. So. I know, it's okay. We're getting there. We're, we're good on time, don't worry. This is, I don't have nine pages of notes today, so we're all right. <laughs> so this walking around and exploring and being free, but being free in Him. We have liberty to be in Christ and to be anything that He wants us to be in Him. So enjoy that, explore that. But remember, we have to answer the question, who am I in? So verse 7 Walk in him rooted, and this is the like tree imagery, right? And built up in him, so who am I in? And established, and this is the foundation. This is the thing that we're going to put the house on. Um, we were talking last night at fight night about one of the buildings at Temple that they went in. Which building was it? Was it Phillips? Is that what, what it was? Yeah. They went in and they did some structural analysis and they found out that the foundation, nope. You can't do anything with this. You have to tear the building down because the foundation was bad. So we are rooted, which actually goes underground and then on the foundation, and then the next phrase is built up. So below, on the ground, and above the ground, in Christ, established in the faith. As you have been taught, and he knew this because he did some of the teaching, either directly to them or to the people who taught them, abounding. Uh, this is one of the, does anybody have a King James? You got your King James this morning? You bring your King James? I meant to look up what this word was in the King James, and I didn't. Somebody is blowing my phone up here. So. It's abounding as well. Is it abounding as well? This would have been a good opportunity for the King James to use the superfluity. They use that word every once in a while. And this is this, is this idea of there's actually more than you can really contain in this space. It is, it is just waiting to burst out. There is so much here. Uh, it is over full. Um, one of the, one of the words, yeah, superabounding is the word that, that I came up with from the, uh, the commentators. So superabounding in the faith with thanksgiving. So it's not just, oh, I'm here and I'm sad. It's here and it's made a difference. It's here and it's reflected in my voice. <clears throat> it's reflected in my words. So if you look at, if you look at those verses, six, through, uh, 6 and 7, I'm going to read you a quote by Dr. Constable here. He says, four characteristics describe the healthy Christian here. First, he or she stands firmly rooted as a tree. He or she is built up as a building, becoming increasingly stable in the faith, and demonstrates the fruit of thankfulness constantly. 
So four participles in the Greek text describe these characteristics. The first is in the perfect tense, indicating the initial reception. So I am receiving something. I am receiving this faith. The last three are in the present tense, which is how we continually express it. So we're, we get one, we live out three. There's a lot of things going on there. So verse 8, beware. This, this is an imperative. That's your blank. This is an imperative. <clears throat> so he's commanding us to beware. Because remember, these deceive, we can be deceived. Deceivers are out there. They're going to get really close. They're going to have persuasive words. There's real impacts to it. So beware, lest anyone. Now, this anyone in the Greek, is that sometimes in English when we translate things, the, the singular versus plural doesn't come across very well. It does here in English. This is a very singular word in the Greek as well. So it really feels like Paul is talking about somebody. Here you go, Albert. This is how I work it in. Who is notorious, who is known. You like that? You like that? Who is known for doing this thing, who is stirring up this philosophy, who is, who is not in alignment with what Paul is preaching and teaching. So there's somebody that he's thinking about here. So lest anyone cheat you, and this word for cheat is to take you away captive. It's to steal you away and to take you somewhere else. Cheat you through philosophy. And I've actually heard this verse, not in my home church, but in other places, this verse taught to say that you shouldn't study philosophy of any kind. That is just a waste because this is just, this is not where this is going. And, and that's really not what this verse is saying. He's saying don't study the philosophy of the Colossians, right? Now we need to be aware of these things. Paul used his vast knowledge of all of these different belief systems to argue that they are wrong. And he actually gives us through his arguments and through his work and his study basis for arguing today why they are still wrong. We can still use the same great responses to the same awful theology that was around 2,000 years ago because truth doesn't change. So this is very helpful for us. So this, this doesn't mean that we should never study philosophy. That's not where this is going to. So they want to cheat you through philosophy and empty or vain deceit or delusions according to the tradition. So this according to. Another way to say this is along with. So along with the tradition. So, so when, you, when you travel a long distance, do we like to go along with somebody? Why? To talk? Because you get lonely? Why else? Shared experience. Shared experience? Why else? Security. security. Somebody tell me security, right? Because I don't, I don't really like to be alone in places that I don't know for long periods of time because, you know, all right. I remember the first time that we went to a, uh, a fight. Uh, a buddy of mine, he's actually didn't come to church here anymore. Uh, we bought tickets to a fight in Nashville. And the very last, this is a mixed martial arts event. This is not known for its uh, refined or erudite crowd. Um, we'll just leave it at that. And we, we didn't know what to expect, so we thought we'll just sit up in the cheap seats and that'll be fine. So we sat up in the cheap seats. And the very last fight of the night, after the decision was announced, a fight broke out in the ring that they were fighting in. And that spilled over a little bit. And it spilled over a little bit. And I looked at him and said, um, we're going to get out of Dodge. 
because <clears throat> I don't know these boys around us. And I've been watching them all night, and they've had more than they should have drunk. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't think that we are in the right spot for a fight because while I enjoy watching fights, I'm not interested in participating in fights. He had no formal mixed martial arts training either. I didn't feel really comfortable that we were equipped to handle that. Okay. Fast forward to the first time that we went with a group of people from church. There were six or seven or eight of us that go strolling into this arena in Nashville. And I know for a fact, at least two of them were packing. Let's go, boys. Where are we going? Whole different mindset. Felt completely different because of who I was going with. The event, absolutely the same. Me, absolutely the same. It was all about who I was with. And it completely changed the experience for me. So I want you to ask the question, who are you with? So according to the tradition, and this, this tradition we, we think is probably the, uh, the Jewish traditionary law, the ordinances, the traditions that they had here. These traditions of men, uh, according to... So again, this is the same word, who am I going along with? The basic principles. Now, the basic principles are these elementary things. These, it's, this word was used for letters of the alphabet. So the things that are kind of building blocks for all these other things are elements of the, on the periodic table. So the things that build everything else up. So according to these basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So not along with Christ. So I'm either going with Christ or I'm not going with Christ. There's only two answers. You're with him or you're not with him. Uh, Robertson's got a great quote. He said, Christ is the yardstick by which to measure philosophy in all phases of human knowledge. I love that. And because often I will come up with something on my own and think, this is really, really good. I wonder what the Bible says about that. Nope, not exactly. The scripture says what is true. Everything else gets measured against that. Everything else gets measured against that. Verse 9. For in him, so again, I'm going to ask the same question, who am I in, dwells or permanently dwells all the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ is fully God. Amen? All right. So the Holy Spirit is fully God. God the Father is fully God. Uh, I was going to show a little video clip, but I forgot to set it up, and I'm just now reading it in my notes, so we won't do that. But I'll post it in the uh, Sunday School Facebook page, and it's absolutely hilarious, um, about this concept that Jesus is not partially God. Um, he is fully God. This is one of the basis for his uh, total and complete inclusion in the Trinity here. So the Lord Jesus Christ, up a couple verses before, he is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, and you are... What? Complete in Him. So this implies a couple of things. It implies that only in Him am I complete, and in anything else I am incomplete. Anything and everything else I am incomplete if I'm in. If I'm going along with something else or if I am in something else, I am incomplete. So if you want to have a complete existence, I'm not... I'm not I'm not talking about your happiness. I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your spouse or your marriage or any of this kind of stuff. You want to be complete, who you are. It only happens in Jesus Christ. And anything that says we are not complete in him 
takes away from the deity of Jesus Christ. So we have to be careful that says, you need Jesus plus something else, because I am saying God is not enough when we say that. And that's a very scary, heretical road to walk down. So, in him, who is the head? I love, I don't know if I put this quote in your notes or not, but Robertson says, there is no other place for Christ, he is first. I love that. That's just fantastic. There is no other place for him. He is the head of all principality, no matter if you think this is angels or not, or power. He is the head. He is over it. So what's the point? Well, number one, it matters who I am in. So answer the question, who am I in? Two, it matters what I am going along with. So answer the question, what am I going along with? Who do you think is better? Jesus, Jesus is better, absolutely. Than all of these other Ryan's buffet of theology and philosophy. He is better. I promise you, you're going to hate Ryan's by the time we're done with this thing. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. And then, so what do I do with that? Well, get in Jesus and go along with him. There's nothing better. There's really, really nothing better. So that's week eight of Colossians. We'll start this next big chunk, 11 through 23, next week. It may take us three weeks to get through that. It may take us two. I'm not really sure yet. We'll see. Uh, But... That's week eight of Colossians. So thank you for coming this morning. Uh, We don't have to take the chairs down, but at the middle of your tables, there's a weekly update. If you'll scan over those uh, ongoing prayer requests and make sure that if you've put one over there that it's still uh, right and relevant and needs to be there, that would be great. Uh, And then include any new ones that you have, either for the week or for ongoing. uh, Thanks for coming to Sunday School. (laughs) 